just, I love Jesus-focused songs. I just, I, I think God loves Jesus-focused songs. I think the Holy Spirit loves Jesus-focused songs. You, you know, like, there's, there's this complexity. I don't want to preach on the Trinity this morning because we ain't got enough time. Um, I don't understand it. I don't pretend to understand it for a moment. I just choose to accept it. Uh, but there's something about the name of Jesus. Uh, you know, we've sung, you know, I just want to speak the name of Jesus. We talked about, um, you know, to the one who rescued my soul, uh, I sing forever. You know, what a beautiful name, what a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. Uh, I remember being in a service many years ago, uh, Pentecostal service, you know, they were really trying to stir up, really wanted a move of God, you know, really wanted it. And so we were praying, Holy Spirit, come. We were singing all these songs to the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. I don't, I don't believe God's methodical in the sense that, because uh, like, I don't believe you have to be an intellectual to be able to access God, otherwise that locks me out, right? <laughs> um, but I believe there's some principles that, that, that are important. And in this time, we were trying so hard. We wanted to move with the Holy Spirit. And, and it was like, it just wasn't happening. And it was, I watched the worship leader kind of do this like, I'm done. Like, let's sing the next song and move on. And the next song was about Jesus. And the Holy Spirit just moved through that place because it's like, that's what I came to do. I came to glorify the name of Jesus. And see, one of the, one of the most important things, you go back, you go through your scriptures. If the Son of Man be lifted up, he will draw all people to himself. Jesus said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. In the beginning, the Word was with God. The Word was God. Who we talk? Jesus, right? And that light became the light of man. And so there's so much wrapped up in this name of Jesus. It's not that it's more important than God the Father. It's not more, that it's more important than the Holy Spirit. But God saw it willing to Him to make Jesus the central part of what we do. Jesus is the part that separates us from so many other religions. Because we have a mediator who sits at the right hand of God. We, have a, we, we serve a God who came down into our midst. Where every other religion says, you've got to get out of that pit. Right? There's something about it when we sing about his name. I just love it. So thank you for the Jesus focus this morning. It lights me up. I believe it lights the Holy Spirit up. I believe it pleases God the Father. <laughs> I just love Jesus. You know, I've worked out, like I've got a sermon here this morning, maybe. Like I know I've been trying to get to it for like, what, four weeks, three weeks? We got there and we got distracted. But what I really want you to grasp, like, can I, can I be real with you this morning? Can we be real? Can we be real in the house of God? Amen. Good. Amen. Amen. Let's do that. Let's, I don't want to do anything else. <clears throat> I don't want to fill people's heads with knowledge. I'm done with filling people's heads with knowledge. Or some kind of new exciting revelation or some kind of new profound, you know, like, I want you to know Jesus. I want us as his church, as his people, to know him. And yes, that comes like, you know, the knowledge and, and, and the Word of God reveals Him. And so if we're going to preach, if we're going to read our Bibles, may it be to reveal Jesus and not just to fill our heads with knowledge. But I, I know people who know their Bibles inside out but don't know Jesus. Yeah? And, and I think there's something to be said. Like I, I, I'm done with a sermon for a sermon's sake. I'm done. You, if you read the bulletin whenever we last had one, 
I'm done with just trying to give people that rush of dopamine on a Sunday morning where you go, wow, the power of God. And then you walk out and within 30 minutes, it's worn off. Which is no different to any other experience of social media, any other experience of television, any other experience of entertainment. I want us to know Jesus because when you know Jesus, that lasts. It changes things. It impacts things. And, and, and I think, you know, last time I preached, whenever that was, and I've had issues with my health. As you can hear, I'm still not quite right. I don't know what's going on. I've had blood tests and, you know, pretty much any indicator that could be off is off. I've been praying. I'm thankful for those who have been praying. But in the meantime, I just keep preaching. I just, I just, I'll just keep serving Jesus. I'll just keep loving Jesus until I can't do it anymore. You know? um, but I was talking about these three words because I believe that, that the world that we live in and the world that we are heading into, and, and again, this isn't an in-time sermon. I don't want to get predicting about what's going to happen or what's not going to happen. And like, you know, how many, like, anybody want to be the prime minister of England? It's like, up, it's available. Like, they'll take anyone they can get at this point. You know, like, it's just, like, it's, like you just look around the world. It's kind of weird. It's kind of crazy. But it's not my place to go, this is what's going to happen. This is who's going to get in. And this is what they're going to, I don't care. Because it all just distracts me at the end of the day from Jesus. But what I believe is that this next season, whatever happens, is going to be marked by three words. And you've heard me. I've been banging on about them. We've prayed about them. But I want to keep talking about them because I believe the church has to do something about them. I believe the next season of the world is going to be marked by instability, insecurity, and uncertainty. And in fact, in many ways, I feel like we're already there. Now, there's all sorts of instability. There's all sorts of insecurity. There's all sorts of uncertainty. Maybe you relate to those three words, <coughs> which is the other thing, because I believe that in the midst of these three things, and, and the title of my sermon that I tried to get to last week and then got distracted or whenever, was the, the church the world needs. Because I believe in time. Think of it, and, and if the world is full of instability, insecurity, and uncertainty, then the antidote for that is the church to be people of stability and to be people of security and to be people of certainty. But in order to be those people, our faith has to be in something different from the world. Because the reason that we're so unstable and insecure and uncertain is that all of the things we've pl- relied on for our stability are no longer stable. Remember, I preached a couple of weeks ago, the wise man built his house upon his rock, upon the rock. And when the storms came and the winds came, the house because the, the foolish man who built his house upon the sand eroded, what's your life built on? That instability. You know, everything we've built, whether it's our finances, whether it's our relationship, whether it's our, our government, what, you know, our relative safety, whatever it may be, those, those things that we built our stability on just aren't that stable. You know, maybe you built your stability on a particular church leader. Well, there's not too many of those left. You watch all your role models. It's hard being a young, a young pastor trying to stay inspired when you watch all the people that you looked up to going... I don't want to end up like that. Don't want to end up like that. Don't want to end up like that. And if you're not careful, you get this kind of doom mindset where you go, well, that's the only option, clearly, because these men were more spiritual than I was. But actually, it comes down to what's our stability built on? What's our security built on? What's our certainty built on? What are you certain of? There's nothing certain in this world. Nothing. Especially if you've got shares in Tesla. Like, they go up and down and like... You know, like, I, I don't understand why someone would buy shares in something where one guy can tweet one thing and you can lose $1,000. <laughs> like, it's crazy. Anywho, 
I believe we have to be as the church, people of stability, security, and certainty. And if I'm real, I don't know that we do that as well as we could. And I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm not saying we connect. I'm saying we, the Western church. We need to find our stability, our security, our certainty. I want to, just for a moment, I just want to pick up Matthew 13. I understand that Pam preached from this uh, last week. The parable of the sower. <clears throat> I, just, I just want to read from this. It's not my sermon this morning, but it, it'll get us there. It says, that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. This is Matthew 13, verse 1. Such large crowds gathered round him that he got in a boat and he sat in it. And while all the people stood on the shore, he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went to sow his seed. And as he was scattering seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came, up, came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, but the soil was shallow. And when the sun came up and the plants were scorched, they withered because they had no root. Other seeds fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still, other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times it was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. You know, I, I think this parable, if it speaks to anything, and I'm, you know, I don't want to cut across what Pam said. I'm sure what Pam said was great. This is the joy of parables. It can say a thousand things. But I believe part of what this parable says, it's talking about church and Christians who find that love of Jesus, right? Like seed, it finds this, but because it's shallow and because it never finds that stability, it never finds its security, it never finds its certainty. When those hard times come, that come everywhere, right? Because like, how many people know Christianity is not a, a, a um, get out of hard times free card? Anybody here managed to completely avoid all hard times since you became a Christian? Anybody at all? No? Very good. Excellent. Great sales pitch. Um, but it is, it is the best sales pitch because it's not the absence. But true Christianity is the deep roots, is the stability, the security, and the certainty that when those hard times do come, you keep growing. You stay planted. You continue. to, And that's what people start to look at and go, how come everybody else's life has fallen apart? And yours, and, and when I say, and yours isn't, here's what I also believe about whatever is, is this next season for the church, for the world, whatever. We don't get out of it. We don't get to be like, you know, like, let's say, for the sake of just plucking one out of the year, economic crisis. Hey, that's a good one. Everyone feel good about that. You know, they love to talk about economic crisis. Rah, rah, rah. And, and, you know, kind of, it's, it's tempting to go, God's people, like he'll protect us and we'll still, you know, everyone else will be having an economic crisis and we'll be okay. I don't think that's the will of God. I think the will of God is, but your life is built on something that even if that doesn't work, you've still got a stability because your stability was never in your financial stability. Your security was never in your, your popular standing. I was another quote that I read from Leonard Ravenhill this week, which was just like, you know, it talks about that the church is more fashion than passion. More pathetic than prophetic. You go, oh, Leonard Ravenhill, stop. The guy's dead and he's still like, you know, like convicting me. But we've got to have something built on something deeper. And that's why I want you to know Jesus. Because it's when you know Jesus and when you know his word, that's, that's the deep root. That's where your security comes from. That's where your stability comes from. That's where your, your certainty comes from. And I... I I believe with every fiber of my being 
that we've got to do that. You know, one of the other conversations I was having this week, you know, I'm not going to ask you to show your hands because I'm not into public shaming. And Jesus set you free from shame. Far be it from me to put you back in it. <clears throat> but but I, 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 could go, I could go to the verse, but and the Bible says that we must always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have. Do you know the easiest way to always be prepared to give a reason? To have a reason. <laughs> right? Like if you've got a reason and someone goes, what's your reason? And you go, I'm ready. But sometimes half the problem is people go, what's your reason? You go, oh, well, uh, mm, you see. And we're terrified of sharing our faith. If we're honest, we're terrified of sharing our faith. Because we, we, don't, like, we don't want to misrepresent Jesus, so we wrap it in this holy language of like, oh, I just don't want to say anything that might put someone off. But here's the thing. I think deeper than that, I think we need as the church to know our salvation again. I think we need to know our salvation. I think we need to know the reason. And I think we need a better reason than perhaps what we've been reasoning with ourselves. Again, I told you part of the, part of the um, catalyst for this sermon was someone who was saying to me, a friend recently, who in a time of instability, insecurity, and uncertainty, reached out to this person and said, like, like acknowledged that there was a stability and a security and, and, and a certainty that they didn't have. And they went, tell me about your faith. And this person went, you know, well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not bagging on the person because the reality is like it's 99% of us in this room, right? You go, well, see, there's this guy, Jesus, and, uh, you know, like he died on a cross. And, you know, it means that one day we can go to heaven when we die and we're forgiven from our sins. And, we, and, and you know, and she said, and she just kind of watched this person's eyes glaze over. And it's not because it's not true, but I think it's like we come back to this place of when we find the reason, when we remind ourselves of the reason, then I think there's this white hot passion that starts to burn. And, and, and I, 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 got you, I need you to know, this, this is, I need you to hear both parts of the sentence this morning. Being a Christian, definitely, definitely beyond a shadow of a doubt, means that you get to go to heaven when you die. Amen? I ain't taking that away from people. But if the only reason you're following Jesus is so you don't go to the bad place, it's like saying the only reason I married my wife is because the other option was ugly. <laughs> right? Like it's, it's, it might be true, but it's not a complete enough truth in itself, right? There had to be more that drew me to my wife than just the other option sucked. There had to be something about option A that made it option A. And I think when we start to get that, see, can I go there this morning? Okay, here's, here's, here's the thing. I believe that one of the reasons we struggle to preach the gospel, to preach our salvation, is because we have not received the fullness of it for ourselves. See, we've received that, you know, we go, I've said a prayer, my sins are forgiven, but I'm still anxious. And I, I say this as someone who deals with LM's anxiety, I'm not sitting here bashing, but, like, but I'm still, in fact, let's, let's, take, let's take labels away from it in terms of medical things. Like, we receive Jesus, and we go, I said this prayer, 
But deep down, I'm still unstable. Deep down, I'm still insecure. Deep down, I'm still uncertain. And then someone goes, tell me about your faith. Because they're crying out for stability, security, and certainty. And you go, ah, I don't know if I have any to give. And so I believe the church needs a revelation of its salvation. I believe the church needs to enter in. And, you know, I said it a couple of weeks ago. Paul talked about that I might take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. That we have not just been saved from something, but we have been saved for something. And when that stability, when that security, when that certainty, you know, those three things, when you can say that God has birthed them in your life and they don't come from your home and they don't come from your finances and they don't come from your health and they don't come from, definitely don't come from my health at the moment, from anything else, I'm running out of breath. (laughs) But they come from Jesus. Then Then you have a reason. And you don't have to think about it because you have a reason. Because you go, actually, if it weren't for Jesus, I'd still be unstable. If it weren't for Jesus, I'd still be insecure. I'd still be uncertain. Let me tell you about how insecure my life was. Let me tell you about how insecurity hides at the back, always trying. Because these things don't like just go away, right? Right? Like again, how many people when you became a Christian, your insecurity just left you alone? But the Bible says we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. And so somewhere in that we go, you know, I crucified my insecurity to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me so that I could be secure, so that I could have stability and I could have certainty. And can I tell you something? That same Jesus is still in the business of salvation today. Yes, you get to go to heaven when you die. Amen. I can't wait. Like I genuinely, like, I, like I'm looking forward to it. But you also get to know the saving power of the grace of God who delivers you from fear, shame, guilt, and gives you stability, security, and certainty today. And if we could receive that for ourselves, we could impart it to our community. Revival starts in the church. Another one, the Leonard Ravenhill. I just throw these out there this week. They weren't in my sermon at all. <laughs> it's here with this uppercut. He goes, the only reason that the church today, the only reason, Leonard Ravenhill, famous Pentecostal author, believes that the only reason that the church lives without revival today is because we're happy to live without it. And you go, no, no, I want revival. Really? Want to confront that instability, that insecurity, that uncertainty? Oh, not really. I don't know who I'd be without it. I've kind of fallen in love with it. It's kind of become so much. I don't believe maybe that God can actually deal with it. That's where we have to become immersed. That's where we're like, no amount of me preaching is going to give you stability, security, or certainty. But if I can preach in such a way that it introduces you to Jesus, and if we can live in such a way, you can't give stability to anybody. But you can lead people to the source of all stability. And the source of all security and the source of all certainty. I want you to know Jesus. I want you to know Jesus. I I would love to be a church not full of people who have got it all together. 
like in the sense that, you know, not people who, who never have a problem in their lives or never deal with this or never deal with any of that. But I would love to be a church that in every season, the mark of the people of Connect is their stability, their security, and their certainty. Think of Shabrak, Meshach, and Abednego. Standing in front of the furnace. I mean, think of the stability and the security and the certainty that those boys had. Our God can save us from these fires. He will save us from these fires. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow to your God. Think of the kahunas on those boys. Unbelievable. As you go, like that's some stability, some security, and some certainty that does not come from, like they were young boys, there was a fire, like it wasn't just coming from like, I feel confident about this. People survive this sort of thing all the time. I've been training. I'm reasonably physically fit. I've got reasonably thick skin. I'll be all right. None of their stability or their security or their certainty came from themselves in that moment. They had to dig into something deeper. To Jesus. They didn't know him as Jesus at that point. But what, when they're in the furnace, what happens? Someone says, I see four people. And one who looks like the Son of Man. Their security and their stability and their certainty did not come from themselves, but from the fourth man in that fire. <clears throat> it is warm up in here. Hang on. Just <clears throat> See, the other word that I've been reflecting on this week, uh, and I, I believe we have to find it. And I don't believe it's hidden from us, but I believe it's going to be so pivotal for the church. It's wisdom. Wisdom. And James says, if anyone asks for wisdom, God will give it to them graciously as long as they believe and and do not doubt. I, I believe that we are going to need to be people of wisdom. And, and here's what I believe that means. It doesn't mean borrowing your pastor's wisdom or your elder's wisdom or your parents' wisdom. It means digging into the things of God and saying, God, I need your wisdom. And we all need to have it. We can't get by with just a few of us. We, we need to be digging deeper and saying, God, we need your wisdom. I've been doing, um, a couple of weeks ago, when Hannah was here, she talked on the Monday night about centered prayer. Um, it's a discipline that I used to be, be quite good at, but I'd kind of forgotten about in exchange for other disciplines. But I've just been back in this idea of centered prayer, which is just where you take a moment with God and you focus on an attribute, a word of his character. And mine, is, I just, it's just wisdom. The wisdom of God. I started to call to mind all the verses that I knew in the Bible about wisdom. The wisdom of God. The foolishness of God is wiser than all of man's wisdom. Seek for, like, get wisdom. With all you're getting, get wisdom. The fear of God is, is the beginning of wisdom. Um, Michael Kulianos tells a, an incredible story uh, of a time he was on a, a television network show. And he, um, in banter, threw John Bevere under the bus, um, saying he was a better golfer than him or whatever. And they were just having, like, it was all good. It was fine. It was, you know. And he got, he got off the television, and, his, and his, this woman mentor rang him and said, what are you doing? He said, what am I doing? 
She goes, that was dumb. You need to get back on that TV show and apologize. He's like, I'm not doing that. And she goes, that was pride. He goes, it was just boy stuff. He goes, it was fine. But you can choose boy stuff or relationship with God. And she, you know, and, and so... Uh, and so he wrote this letter. He couldn't get back on the TV show, but he wrote a letter to John Bevere. But he, the, what she challenged him with, which I thought was interesting, she said this. She said, what's the beginning of wisdom? He said, the fear of the Lord. She goes, so every time you do something stupid, what are you lacking? He goes, fear of God. So every time I do something dumb, <laughs> what I've lost is the fear of the Lord. What do I mean by the fear of the Lord? I mean the reverence of the power and the majesty of his name where I go, he is God and I am not. This idea that somehow I can control God and put him in my pocket and he serves me is the the opposite of the fear of the Lord. But when I know that he is the one that breathes, he is the one in whom I live and have my being at any time, if he wanted to, just snuck me out. The fear of the Lord. Um, you know, what does it look like? Remember I talked a couple of weeks ago about the, um, do our words attract the presence of God? And I used the example of, like if, if I was in a cafe and two people were talking about Lego, right? If I was sitting in a cafe, two people were talking about Lego. And those of you who don't know, I'm an avid Lego collector. I've got over 100 sets. It's becoming a problem, actually. Um, not, not the purchase of the Lego, just the storage of the Lego at this point. And, you know, it's been like six months, I think, since I bought a set. Three months. <laughs> Nothing's turned up on your doorstep. Yeah, it's been a while, right? I'm trying to... Anywho, but if, if, two people, if two people were having a conversation about Lego, it's not important. We're not talking about my thing, right? I, would, I could not resist the urge to join in. Do our conversations draw the presence of God? Where he goes, I want to join in with that. He goes, it's just just locker room talk. Fine. That's fine. But but just know Jesus doesn't participate in it. Right? Oh, it's just just a little bit of gossip. It's fine. Just know that Jesus doesn't participate in it. It's just a bit of cynicism and negativity. Fine. Just know that Jesus doesn't participate in it. But Jesus participates in conversations about stability and security and certainty and hope and life and his promises and his purposes. And, and, and I believe when we have these conversations here, uh, like, again, some of you might go, why is the only time I ever experience God on a Sunday? Maybe it's the only time we get together and have conversations that draw his attention. You know? I've been aware of the presence of God at my kitchen table because we've been having conversations that he can't help but join in at dinner time. I want God to join in my dinnertime conversations. Do you want God to join in your dinnertime conversations? I want God to join in my staff meetings. And I mean, I work at a church, so that's, you'd hope that was a given. But do you want God to join in your staff meetings? Do you want God to join in, like, your hobby meetings, your, your whatever? You know, when we start to do that, you know, like, it was like James was talking about. When we start to talk in such a way that attracts, God goes, i got to get involved in that conversation i got to get involved. Take a look at this. Here's a couple of scriptures for you. I've just been reflecting on these ones this week. Uh, I'll give them to you. I'm... <laughs> Let's start with 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter 
chapter 4. I've been reading Peter. You've got to read First Peter, Second Peter, great books, very quick reads. Filled, like, don't read them quickly, read them slowly. First Peter chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 1 to 11. It's titled, Living for God. It says, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, excuse me, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. I don't remember doing any of those things. Good. Don't start now. You've done enough of them. If you've never done them, it's still enough. They think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give an account to the one who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to men in regard to the body, but live according to God in regards to the spirit. But live according to God in regards to the spirit. There we go. The end of all things is near. Oh, doom and gloom. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. There's another way you could say that. Be stable and secure so you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. It's time to pick up your gift. It's time to pick up your gift. Now is not the time to get tired. I know everyone's tired. The world is tired, but the church needs to dig a little. I'm not saying don't rest, but find your rest in him. Trust in the one who says he will lift you up on wings like eagles. You will run and not grow faint, walk and not grow weary. Trust in him. This is not the time to put your gift on the shelf and go, you know what? I just, I, I just need a year to breathe. God needs you to work. God, has, God has, has, has called his church to action and it's time. I believe some of you are coming into the end of that season. It's time to pick up your thing and go, let's go. Each of you should use whatever gift he's received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Verse 11, if anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. Why? Because God can't help but join in those conversations. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength that God provides, the stability, the security, the certainty that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Let's just keep going because these are good. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power. So, like Sometimes I just say you just got to hear Scripture, right? His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature 
and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ is supposed to translate into effectiveness and productivity. That was annoying me. (laughs) But if anyone does not have them, he is short-sighted and blind, for he's forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters... Be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I got one more that I want to read to you to finish in just a moment. But I just, you know, these these scriptures that Peter is talking about are about having an awareness of God outside of a Sunday. To be aware... um, Another, another preacher, Bill, Bill Johnson, says it this way. He, does it, he had a rag. I've got a sweat towel because it's that time of year again. He talks about the Holy Spirit that remains. This is what he says. He says, when Jesus was baptized, he says, the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. The end. doesn't say, and then he went back. He says, it descended on him like a dove, and it remained there. And, and Bill Johnson talks about the spirit that remains. And see, this is what I want us to be. I want us to be a people that the spirit remains on. Do you want to be a person that the Holy Spirit remains on? Yeah. Not just comes on for a time or a season like in the Old Testament, but the Holy Spirit dwells on and remains on. And, and the illustration um, that, that Bill uses, he talks about a dove. And he says, doves are, are naturally quite sensitive, flighty creatures. I got a budgie at home, very flighty, probably not as flighty as a dove. But like, he says, if I had a a budgie, not a budgie, if I had a dove sitting on my shoulder and I wanted to move around this room while keeping the dove on my shoulder, I would walk carefully, quietly, every step I took with the dove in mind. If there was noise happening over there, Gently, because I want, I want the dove to remain. Now, your salvation's a free gift, right? Salvation's a free gift. Friendship with God is not. Jesus grew in favor. Jesus grew in favor with God. I remember several years ago, being in this moment, we had a wave of salvations. We had new people coming to church. They were giving their lives to Jesus. And I said, I said God, what is it? Why is this like we weren't we didn't really have an effective evangelism model? We didn't really have this great like whatever, but I was saying, God, these people are just they're just turning up and they're just getting saved and, and, and amen. But why? And, and all I felt was like God said, and, and not of me, but of, but of us. I can trust you with them. I know if I if I send them there, I can trust you. Because you're people that value the things that you say you value. You're people that value what I value. Again, if God, see, not only do our, do our, 
conversations and our choice to live in a certain way attract the presence of God, when God can trust us, then he'll go, let me pour out my spirit there. Let me pour out a harvest there. Let me use that place to bring hope and light to, to, to the community around them. And I want to be the person who doesn't just go, God, I've got to preach on Sunday. Can I please have your Holy Spirit at about 9.30 in the morning? If it could rest on me and then get out the door at 12 o'clock and go, thank you. All done. Oh, we've got a prayer meeting. God, I need you to I want to be people that practice. See, when you know the person of Jesus and, and the power of the Holy Spirit that wants to glorify him, we want to walk in that every day. We want to be people of stability and security and certainty every single day. And you might find that you come into church on a Sunday morning, you go, man, I'm filled with stability right now. I wasn't when I came, but I'm filled with stability right now. And you go, I love that. And you walk out. See, again, you go to a conference, you go to a camp, you go, I wish I could keep that feeling all the time. You can. You can. The difference is, is this, we, like, this place is sacred. And when we come in, we refuse to have conversations that don't attract the presence of God. But the moment we walk out the door, we pick those conversations back up again. You ever had an argument? Like, not me, not you. You ever know someone that's had an argument? You're like coming into church. You're driving and you get to the car back and go, we'll finish this later. And you're like walking to church. You go, oh. You just, no, don't talk to me about that now. It's like the holy place, holy place. Sacred, set apart. And you walk out the door, you get in the car and you go, so? <laughs> because we put boundaries around the conversations we won't have at church. Right? Like I had someone once come into the office and they'd say, oh, I can't say that I'm in church. I'm like, Maybe if you didn't say it anywhere, you go, oh, I don't like this. It sounds like legalism. No, it just sounds like holiness. And you don't, like, again, you don't have to do it. Your salvation is free. But trust from the Holy Spirit is not. And I want us to be a people, I want us to be a church that's so in love with Jesus that we want to be his best friend. That we want him to trust us, that we want to bond with him, that we want him to love being here. That this is not just a place that he sets up. Remember we talked about making room for God, like with the, the, the woman and, and, and kings, and she created a room so that he could dwell there and eat there and learn there and study there. Like I want to set this up as a place, and I want to set my home up as a place, and I want to set my workplace. Again, it's a church, but like if we all set those places up. <laughs> I remember listening to a testimony of a school teacher who prayed through their classroom every morning. A little bit hard these days because teachers move around so much. But they turned up, they had a classroom all day, they prayed. They turned up at eight o'clock in the, or 7 o'clock in the morning, I should say, and prayed for like half an hour to an hour in the classroom. And the other teachers came to them and said, you got kids in your class that misbehave in every other class. And they come into your class and they don't misbehave. Why? Now, you don't want to know. No, 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 Like, I really want to know. No, trust me, you don't want to know. Like, no, 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 like, those kids are unstable and insecure in every single other class, but they come into your class and they're different. I want to know. You don't want to know. Tell me. Okay, I turn up at 7 o'clock every morning and I pray for an hour. I told you you didn't want to know. <laughs> See, because your stability, your security, your certainty is contagious. When you, when you dwell, when you invite the Holy Spirit, when you invite God to be part of your everyday, and this is my hope because my fear, 
my, my fear is that in the season of instability and insecurity and uncertainty is that if we have not dug roots deep enough, then like those crops that found rocky soil, we just burn out with everybody else. But I don't want to be a church of burnout. I, don't want to, I want to be a church that continues again and again and again to find its stability, its security, and its certainty in Christ. And I want you to know the God who is the source of that stability, who is the source of that security, who is the source of that certainty. Because when you know, you'll have a reason. And when you have a reason, you'll be able to give it when people ask. And I want to tell you something People are starting to ask. And so it is now more important than ever that we receive our salvation, the fullness of our salvation, the fullness of our reason, so that we can share that with others. So that they might know that same Jesus that I have fallen madly in love with. That doesn't sound very masculine. I don't care. Don't care. It still wasn't my sermon for today. (laughs) Let's pray. Lord, we need your wisdom. Now, in a moment, in a season of transition, where there are so many uncertainties, we need to know the one who is of which we can be certain. Our God who is unchanging, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You are the unshakable God. In you, I find my stability. In you, I find my security. Lord, the times that I feel unstable and I feel insecure are the times that I know that I have stepped out of what you have paid for for me. Help us to be a people, to be a church, to be a body that does not visit the provision of God, but dwells every day in the presence of God. That our conversations would draw in the Holy Spirit. That our conversations would be like blessings and prayers to one another. Lord, that as we walk out of this door today, we don't shake off the dove, but we become aware of the dove, the Holy Spirit, as we enjoy the beautiful weather that's out there today, as we enjoy uh, the extra day off tomorrow, but Lord, also as we go into our work week, Lord, as we sit down tonight for dinner with our families, would we be so aware of your presence? and your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, it's warm in here. (laughs) It's the Holy Spirit, yes. Um, Amen. We'll have a part three (laughs) some stage. But I, I believe this is important. And as much as anything this morning, I wanted you to catch my heart for that. I want you to see... Now, if I, if I can do nothing else, can I, I would say to God, I want to model what it's like to be with you so that other people will want to be with you as well. And so be encouraged this week that you have access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords.
the name of Jesus. He is not far away. Acts 17 says he's never far from any one of us. So go in that knowledge and have conversations that God can't help but get involved in. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Tea and coffee is served.